everyone get back to the seats. We have a special treat this morning. We have a fantastic family that's going to be uh, sharing the gospel with us today. Um, Craig and Sharice Felty are here this morning with us from Big Spring. Yeah. Pastor Craig, I've known him for, I think, 50, going on 15 years now. And um, wow. he's an educator wow. in Big Springs. He used to preach the gospel to teenagers, which is amazing. Um, but he's an amazing man of God. But him and Sharice are one of the most, the most um, things I can say about them, the most powerful thing I'm going to say about them is they're great friends. Mm-hmm. And I tell you, when a man has friends, the man is rich. And I'm, I'm a rich man because of this family. So, and Pastor Craig's going to come up and share the gospel. Can we give him a round of applause Amen. this morning? Ooh. Good morning. Good morning. Oh, yeah, that works now. So I got a good, good morning out of that one. Wow. It's good to see you this morning. I've been eagerly waiting to get back. And... Excited to be here this morning to see you and to spend some family time because you are a people of destiny. It's all over you. I don't know if you can feel it, just living your life every day, but I get to see uh, kind of like the aunts and uncles that come in and they say, Oh, you've grown a foot. You know, you've, and I get to see the awesome things that are going on with some distance in them. So they don't seem so gradual to me. They seem like big changes and big things that are happening. And you are a people of destiny. It shows on you. It shows on your pastors. It shows on the history of this church. You're a people of destiny. And I want to let you know today that, uh, you know, I am in this really odd spot that I, I thought... Ten years ago, if you asked me if I'd ever teach again in the public school classroom, I would have said no. Never happened. But God has a way of changing what we think and moving us into what he thinks. And I found that throughout, his, throughout my history, at least, and as nearly as I can tell about everyone's history who walks with the Lord, that our job never changes even when our occupation changes. Our call never changes. We're called to change the world where we are. We're called to be world changers. We're called to be people of the power of God and the power of God moving through us. And it is so easy to slip back into this thing of saying, well, I believe and sit there believing. But I want you to, I want you to know today that when the Bible talks about believing, it was never a sit there believing it's an active believing. It's the, one of the big things that the enemy has tried to take that, take our words, take the words that have come out of the uh, Bible, things that were used to translate, and he's tried to take the, the guts out of them. Because in the time of King James, if they said believe, that means whatever you believed is what you ended up acting on. And now somebody says, well, where's the 7-Eleven? I believe it's down there. It means I'm not really sure, but... And he's tried to, through just words changing. You know, words change. Communication change. I, you know, I work with teenagers every day, and I still get embarrassed by the fact that there are words that mean something different now than they meant when I was growing up. <laughs> 
And every now and then I'll very innocently say something kind of nasty to them. (laughs) And I think about it and I'm horrified and I never do that again. But, oh my goodness. But I want to talk to you a little bit today about the fact that as a people, as a culture in America, we're at this big turn. I don't know if you can sense it, but we are, we are now at this huge place of turning where the scientific community, the political community, everyone is ready for a turn and ready for a change because all of those have reached a point where they can't go any further without becoming absurd. And I'll share with you a little bit what I mean as, as we go along. But what I want to speak mostly today is that the Creator is calling us. The Creator is calling. I want to just share with you a little bit about the Creator. See, water. Do you know how much... The Bible talks about water quite a bit, but it talks about the washing of water by the Word. I don't know if you can see that, but see how that water just hangs on the end of my fingers there? And if I poured the water out on this tabletop, it wouldn't flow out completely flat to a molecule thick. It would kind of pool together and hold itself together because water is this amazing thing. There's nothing else like it. Three atoms that make up one molecule. And that, those molecules are cohesive. They stick together which means they form a pool, they form droplets, they stick together with each other. And they're adhesive. They stick to other things like I, I don't know if you could see that, but it was sticking to my finger and it was sticking to itself and it made a little drop there. And if you put it in a jar, you can look at the liquid in it And if you look closely, you'll see that the water kind of adheres to the sides of the container. And it kind of climbs the sides a little bit. But it also sticks together. And so if you put it in a small enough tube, and you put a small enough tube in it, it'll climb the tube. Because it'll stick to the tube, stick to itself, stick to the tube, stick to itself, and it just... And that's called capillarity. And water will do that. One of the very few substances that will. And that's not even the the good part yet. And I don't know if you catch that, but see, in my occupation now, I get to teach kids about physics and about anatomy and physiology and about Humanities, I get to blend it all together in a really cool public school where, you know, amen. (laughs) (laughs) But if water didn't have those characteristics, we'd have no trees. Because trees don't have a pump to pump water to the leaves. Water climbs trees. Trees just have little tubes. Capillary action takes the water to the leaves and nourishes the plant, goes through the roots, and comes up through the tree. There's not a pump. Water climbs. Water does the job. The tree just... 
I know there's got to be a spiritual illustration in there somewhere, but we're not going there. I got too much, you know, we got to, I'm going to have to just continue and go on. And do you know that if you're really up on your stuff, you know that there's maybe one or two more substances that do this, but water is the only one that at survivable temperatures, anything uh, below about 2,500 degrees Fahrenheit, that's pretty hot, right? Jet exhaust, things like that surface of the sun, you know. Um, <laughs> water is the only substance that at kind of normal temperatures does something really cool when it freezes. When water freezes, it goes and bulks up just a little bit. You don't see how cool that is. Ice floats. Well, yeah. (laughs) But if ice didn't float, you know what would happen to our planet? It would be frozen. All the water in the world, that in the winter when it froze, it would sink to the bottom of the lake or the bottom of the ocean. And it would be insulated from the sunshine the next year. And the next winter, the top would freeze and fall to the bottom of the lake. And eventually, we'd have this planet covered with this little bitty, tiny bit of water every summer and totally frozen over life as we know it would be impossible because water is a one-of-a-kind substance if there were substances like that all over the place i would think yeah okay whatever but water does those things nothing else does those things water's got this amazing little 120 degree angle in its atoms that makes it, when it turns to a solid, when it turns to ice, it lines up in a way that makes more room in between the molecules. And it floats. Every other solid at normal earth temperatures sinks in its liquid form. And he created it with three atoms. Two things that are the most common element in the universe, hydrogen, and one element that's the breath of life, oxygen. Somehow that speaks to me of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That he has created things to tell us about himself. He's created them in such a way that they bear witness of him. It's amazing the things of science that I get to be involved with on a day and I get to tell kids about what water is like. And I just say, wow, this is amazing. Whoever created this has got to be really smart. Now, many scientists today think that we believe in God, we Christians believe in God because of what we don't understand. And you know what? That's not true for most of us. We believe in God because of what we do understand. And the more we understand, the harder it is to explain how it got here without God. When I was younger, you know, and we were riding our dinosaurs to school and chiseling our homework into the stone tablets. 
They were just discovering really cellular life. It's amazing. Uh, High school students now have to know more about the cell than my doctor did. Because we didn't understand so much. We didn't know about DNA. DNA, you know, 50s uh, discovery of that. And we really got hooked in with it in the, in the 60s and 70s. And it began to be a part of the actual science of what we're doing. Kids have, have to know how it works now. It's amazing. But the more we find out about the cell, the less we can believe that it just happened. It's too intricate, too well-designed. When I was in elementary school, I remember reading a science book that said, the earth is between three and four billion years old. Well, you know what? They found out the complexity of life. And current textbooks say between 15 and 30 billion years. They have to give it more time to do this. And I'm afraid that we're going to be into infinity and beyond, like Buzz Lightyear would say. Because more, the more we discover, the less we can think that something just happened, that this stuff just all assembled itself in these amazing ways. And water is one of the simplest molecules in the universe, and see what it will do. And nothing else will do it. And the human cell has mechanisms that are at least as complex as what goes on in the entire body. They're just on tiny, tight little scale. God has amazing things going on. Now, this is not just me. Listen, some of the most amazing scientists that in ever, forever, Some of them were not Christians. They were not believers in Christ, but they looked at the universe and they said, there's no way that this happened without God. The guys that changed the world, changed our world, technology, everything else. Isaac Newton said this. Isaac Newton said, he who thinks half-heartedly will not believe in God. But he who really thinks has to believe in God. Michael Faraday and James Clerk Maxwell, I don't, I don't know if you know who those guys were. If Michael Faraday had not discovered the things about magnetism and electricity being related, uh, we would not have electric motors and generators and things like that. Michael Faraday is the guy that's responsible for those discoveries, first electric motor and those kind of things. James Clerk Maxwell discovered the interrelatedness of light, radio, magnetism, the electromagnetic theory. Without James Clerk Maxwell, there would have been no Einstein. James Clerk Maxwell unified electromagnetism and put the platform for Einstein to come up with a theory of relativity and his theories of gravity and and light and all that kind of stuff. And so these guys all... Faraday and Maxwell, both committed Christians. Newton was half a beat short of being ordained for the ministry, uh, just begged off of it because he was too interested in the science part of it, but he always testified that he saw God's hand. He argued with Rene Descartes, who, who said that the universe was built like a big clock. He said, no, God put in some natural processes that work, but 
we're discovering what he did, but he never denied that God did him. Albert Einstein, who many people considered Albert Einstein to be atheist, because he didn't give a Christian testimony, but Albert Einstein himself, in an interview in 1920, somewhere in that range, said, I am not an atheist. The problem involved is too vast for our limited minds. We're in a position of a little child entering a huge library filled with books in many languages. The child knows someone must have written these books. It does not know how. It does not understand the languages in which they are written. The child dimly suspects a mysterious order in the arrangement of the books, but doesn't know what it is. Now, this is where Einstein really told it scientifically. He said, that, it seems to me, is the attitude of even the most intelligent human being toward God. We see the universe marvelously arranged and obeying certain laws but only dimly understand these laws. See, the more we discover, it's not the less we believe God. It's the more we can think, oh my goodness, how awesome are you? When somebody tells you we've discovered that we don't need God anymore, they're not thinking. They're not considering the evidence. Romans 1, 19 and 20 said this years ago. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. Now let's talk about the, the really cool thing now. Is that God wants to speak to you. He wants to speak to me. And he doesn't just want to speak to you through me. He wants to communicate with you on a daily basis. He wants to communicate with you. See, P.H. Hacking says this, Christians believe that God is a speaking God. The first chapter of the Bible is punctuated by the phrase, and God said. You know how many times did it say that? Six, seven, quite a few. God said. And in the New Testament, John says Jesus is the Word. God wants to speak. A.W. Tozer, if some of you read some of his works, is in uh, late 19th, early 20th century theologian, said, I love the story of Elijah. Marvelous, wonderful man of God. He was before a tremendously pagan world. Due to some dire circumstances, Elijah finds himself hiding in a cave. It's in the cave that Elijah hears the voice of God. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. 1 Kings 19.12, if you want to look it up. But it's not, and Tozer goes on to say this, it is not that God is not speaking or communicating to us. Rather, we've allowed ourselves to get back into such a hole that all we hear is the noise around us. Only after all of that noise has spent itself... Do we begin to hear in the silence of our heart that still, 
small, most mighty voice of God speaking to us. Speaking of scientists, Andy Andrews, who's a kind of a motivational speaker and a really great guy, shares a story about George Washington Carver. George Washington Carver is a scientist around the turn of the century that revolutionized southern agriculture by discovering over 300 uses for the peanut. You see, southern agriculture was in such bad shape because cotton had been planted over and over and over and over, and cotton is kind of a parasite to the soil. It doesn't put anything back. So George Washington Carver was saying, okay, you know, If you'll plant peanuts, it'll put nitrogen back in your soil. Peanuts replenish the soil. But there was no money in peanuts. The only thing you could do with peanuts at the time was sell them at the circus. Heat them up, put a little salt on them. Not a big market, okay? And Carver's mentor and boss... Booker T. Washington, head of the Tuskegee Institute, said, George, we're going to have a problem here. You are a black man. In the turn of the century, rural southern America, if you tell these farmers to do something that causes them to fail, guess what's going to happen? He, he just wisely kind of said, hey, you know. And George Washington Carver just smiled at him and said, I realize that. So I asked God this morning to give me the secret to the peanut. And he said, I heard from God. God told me to break it down. He said, I, I go into the woods and talk with God. That's where he reveals his secrets to me. And I ask him why he made the peanut. He told me, separate the peanut into water, fats, oils, gums, resins, sugar, starches, and amino acids. Then recombine these under my three laws of compatibility, temperature, and pressure. Then the Lord said, you will know why I made the peanut. Washington asked Carver if God always gave him the right answers. And he smiled and said, let me put it this way. The Lord always provides me with life-changing ideas. Here's the exciting part of that story. He went on to say, not that I'm special. The Lord provides everyone with life-changing ideas. These ideas are quite literally a treasure from the Almighty. It's up to each of us, however, to choose and dig for the treasure. And within 10 days, George Washington Carver had discovered more than 300 uses for the peanut One trip to that special place in the woods to talk with God not only enhanced race relations at a time, at that time, but it also fundamentally changed the agricultural industry as we know it today. 
All because he listened to and felt the Spirit of God in his life. Zechariah 4, 6 says this, So he answered and said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. hard part is sometimes God tells us to do something tough. Looks like we're giving up everything. You know what Hebrews talks about the heroes of faith? Every one of them was told something that looked like on the surface it was really tough. This was really dangerous. This is really hard. What about Abraham? Abraham, get up. (laughs) Okay, that's fine. I'm, I'm good with that. Leave your country. Leave your people. And get up and go. Genesis 12, 1. Where? To a place I'll show you. Oh, man. The cool thing is, Abraham kept listening, and God kept speaking. Verse 2, he said, and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. Kept on. Now, many of us, if we'd been in Abraham's sandals, (laughs) we would have just gone, mm Not ever heard the next. We might have been like Jonah. Go where? Do what? That's a little picture of how it turns out. I've I've been in Jonah's shoes some. I'd rather be in Abraham's shoes some. We'd have been so, or we'd been so up in drawing our own plans for the deal, you know, and kind of making making our way straight and out there, that we would have probably never heard what he was going to do. We get totally messed everything else up that God had to say. But Abram didn't stop listening after that verse. If he had, he might never have obeyed. Because you see, here it is. Obedience to God always arises out of trust in God. See, this is the point that Paul makes in Romans. When he writes Romans, he says, you know, the obedience that comes from the law is... He really just says, basically, that's not effective for our salvation. You can't just do the stuff. But he goes on to say, you got to obey. I mean, there's chapters of chapters of stuff. You need to do this. You don't need to do this. You need to do this. You don't need to do this. And we like to skip over that and say, don't judge. That's a whole other message, all right? In other words, we obey God because we've come to know him. And we believe that he knows best. He's he's smarter than we are. That's not as hard for me as it is for you maybe, but he's smarter than we are. He loves us more deeply than we can love. And he cares about us more than we can care even for our own kids. 
We obey out of that sort of trust. We don't, it's, it's not obedience out of duty. It's not obedience out of, well, gee, I want to make it to heaven. Don't want to go to hell. See, that's one of the things that I think that we've really messed up as Christians because life here is why God wants to speak to us. The Bible commands are so often connected with the Bible promises to help us see that there's reward in earnestly seeking God, that there are blessings to obedience so that we might be wooed, be encouraged to obey. Dr. Thompson Matthew, the head of the OR Youth Theology Department, well, the School of Theology, says the problem is not in getting God to speak. God is always speaking. The problem is in our listening. If you've received Christ, listen, if you've received Christ, if you've been regenerated by the Holy Spirit, you have been given the grace to hear God. He wants to speak to you. And it's about building relationship. Why should we read the Word? So that we know what God sounds like. And because it promises that as we consume the word, as we memorize, as we feed upon the word of God, as we read the Bible and understand and memorize that the Lord does a work in our hearts and we begin to understand how he sounds and we begin to be able to hear his voice. You see, it's not just so we do our duty for God and we get our 10 minutes of Bible reading and our... 30 minutes in our quiet time and we've done our God thing and okay, now I can get busy with life. (laughs) You get the opportunity to know the most amazing person, personality in the universe. The God that transcends everything. You have that opportunity to know him and we get too busy for him. Because we don't understand. We think it's all about getting to heaven. And it's about right now. See, we've forgotten that faith is not faith that I believe if I confess Jesus, I'm going to heaven and I won't have to go to hell. That's not faith. Faith is getting to know God and knowing Him in such a way it would be incomprehensible for us to ignore him, to not listen for his voice, because he's always speaking. You know, it used to really frustrate me. I would, I would, and I don't know who this is for today, but I would often get so frustrated that I would feel God call me to do something. And about the same time, there'd be five or six guys in our little town that would feel like God called them to do exactly the same thing. God, that's my deal. What are you doing talking to them too? They must be hearing the devil. And they thought the same thing about me. <laughs> Till I began to understand this little scripture that says the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. And I began to see prophetic words that had been spoken over our city for 50 and 60 years. A good friend of mine chronicled a lot of those things. And I began to see those prophetic words and understand 
that that call of God had been going out for generations and nobody had picked it up. And the call of God was there for whoever would listen and obey and be prepared. You see, God wants to speak to you in your area. He spoke to George Washington Carver because he was a qualified chemist and scientist. Agriculturalist. He understood crops. He understood chemistry. He understood those things. A very brilliant man. But he was prepared to hear the voice of God. Because God could speak to him about chemistry and he could understand and say, okay, let's put that, let's do that. God spoke to him. Talked about Isaac Newton. Isaac Newton would spend hours, 15, 16 hours a day reading. And it wasn't all scientific material. He read the Greek philosophers, but he spent probably twice as much time in the Bible and theology as he did in philosophy and science. Close to twice as much time. God speaks and he began to see. Oh, by the way, he calculated the end of the world for 2060. It comes up every 12 years also. You guys been around a while? You got 76, 88 reasons in 88. Turn of, the cent- turn of the century, the millennium, 2000. 2012, the Mayan calendar ran out. I hadn't got 2024 worked out yet. 2048, uh, okay, but 2060, Isaac Newton said it. There's my book. You know what? Jesus coming back, that's part of that God speaking to you. Because I think... It's not going to, there's not going to be a bunch of people that go, oh, he's coming back tomorrow. It's going to be the Holy Spirit that comes and says, hey, look over there. This is going to be cool. (laughs) (laughs) Be ready. Not in the sense of having your ducks in a row, but be ready in the sense of learning how to hear the voice of God and walk with him. And you know, in my training... God has taught me to hear his voice about the clothes I was going to wear that day. How dumb is that? If you're God, nothing's dumb. You know, it's like he's pretty bright. But when I listened, something about those clothes caused somebody to ask a question that led to a conversation that helped them settle their problem or come closer to Christ. I used to ask him where to go to lunch. Now I have to ask my wife. (laughs) And every time, sometimes he'd say, go where you want to go. Sometimes he'd say, go over here. Every time he spoke, I'd run into somebody that I'd sit with and speak with about the Lord for that time. And they would come up to me and ask me. See, it's, God has, don't think anything's too small or too big for him to speak. He wants to change the world through you, one little section of it. And don't be upset if you can't be Billy Graham. You might pray for Billy Graham, the next one. You might touch the next Isaac Newton or Einstein and influence them to go back and say, you know, it's crazy to think that this didn't happen with, with that this happened without God. Yeah. 
It's crazy to think that. See, he's calling us. This morning, you have a peanut. There's a problem that's around you and a solution that's in you. You've come to this point today that you are a special vessel. You're prepared by your circumstances, by your training, by your open heart to the Holy Spirit to hear his voice and discover what's in your peanut. George Washington Carver changed the South. Because he found out what was in his peanut. What's your peanut? Your peanut may be here in Abilene. Your peanut may be here in Mexico. Your peanut may be in Canada. You may be a missionary. You may be a scientist. You may be a business person. You may be a doctor or a lawyer. But you have God's peanut in your heart. Will you learn to hear God about your peanut? Will you strive to enter into the Word of God and discover who He is so that you can hear His voice and open up your peanut to the glory of God?